Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's say it again. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Oh, wow. I am so glad to see you this morning and to worship the Lord with you today. I, uh, Monday was the funeral of a dear friend that died in faith and went to be with the Lord. And then I flew to Florida this week and one of my heroes and my mentors died and went to be with Christ. Pastored the same church for 53 years, shepherded and loved that congregation. And looking out over that congregation and seeing probably close to 3,000 people who came to grieve and to be a part of that funeral. Charisma Magazine carried a cover story. The Jacksonville newspaper, two articles. It's amazing what a church can do when they bind together to love their community and what happens. I spoke to the staff this week and shared with them so much of what I do is because of his thumbprint and his DNA in my life. I shared with them once when I was at my desk and I was so discouraged in my 20s and this is when we were tackling something that just, there was no way except for a miracle and to this day it's still referred to as the making miracle. He called me one day when I was, I was just on the verge of giving up and quitting. It just couldn't be done. And he called me and prayed with me and encouraged me and told him another time he called me and he rebuked me. He got on to me. And they started chuckling, and I said, but you know, the difference in his rebuke is when he got done with me, I felt loved. I felt cared for. I didn't feel like it was hopeless. I didn't feel like I was a loss. I didn't feel like I was a bad man or a bad pastor. I felt loved and called on up a little bit higher. And this Easter Sunday, I can't help but think about my dad. He's more alive than ever before. I can't think of it help about all of those from this church over the years that I've buried and all of my friends that I've buried. They're not dead. They're alive in Christ today. They are not dead. They are alive in Christ. They are more alive now than they ever were on the face of this earth. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you ask me, how do I know? Because Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. Let's stand to our feet and give him one more hand of praise this morning, would you? <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Father in heaven, I love you so, I love you so. I'm gonna ask you to remain standing for the reading of the word. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying as she wept and she stooped and looked in. Now this is Mary Magdalene. This is the Mary that Jesus cast seven devils out of. She knew what it was like to wake up in the night terrified. She knew what it was like to wake up in the night hearing voices. She knew what it was like to have these controlling issues in her life that caused her to harm herself and harm others. When I worked in mental health, I spent countless hours with people like that, hearing voices tormented, their lives so driven by evil. And when Jesus came into her life, he cast those devils out and she was made a brand new person. Peace came into her life, joy came into her life, purpose came into her life, power came into her life. But she was there at Golgotha when Jesus was crucified. She was there weeping, sad, and 
For her, it was like all her hope had been gone because her life was built upon Jesus Christ. We sing that song sometime, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. And for Mary at that moment, it seemed like hope was gone. Would those devils return? Would that torment return? Would those nighttime sweats and fears? If Jesus was dead, then was it all a hoax? Was it all false? Would it go back to like it used to be? Life has got a really, really terrible way of sometimes destroying our dreams, doesn't it? She looked in and she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. I've done a lot of funerals, over a thousand of them. And I'm used to hearing people talk about the body. I'm used to hearing people talk about the corpse. I'm used to hearing people say, that's not really them. I, I felt that way this week as I looked upon the body of my friend and my mentor. I remember feeling that way when I looked on the bottom of my body of my dad and stood there. I knew he was not there, but Mary says something, they've taken away my Lord. Can you hear that despair? Imagine if they took Jesus away from you. No one can, but imagine what it would be like if they took Jesus from you. She might as well have said, they've taken away my hope. And she turned to leave and saw someone standing there, and it was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. And my prayer for you all week has been is that you would recognize that Jesus is here. My intercession this week for you has been, maybe you're dealing with a cancer diagnosis, maybe you're dealing with a relationship problem, maybe you're dealing with children problems or family problems. Maybe this morning, even while we've been singing the songs, you've tried to focus, you've tried to put your mind upon Jesus, but somehow or another you find your mind keeps wandering back to that problem or that issue in your life. My dear friend, I want you to recognize Jesus Christ is here. He is not dead. You will not find a tomb with the name of God upon it. Jesus is in this place today. Can we give him another hand of praise? He is here today. But here's the good news. Even if you don't recognize him, he knows you. He recognizes you. And he says, dear woman, why are you crying? That's the same question the angels ask her. Why are you troubled this morning? What's caused you to lose hope? What are you struggling with? And she thought he was the gardener. And she says, sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him. I'll go, I'll get him. And then Jesus says, Mary. And something about the way he said her name. She knew who it was. And she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go, 
she became the first evangelist. This, this woman that had been possessed by seven devils, this woman whose life had been a wreck, she becomes the first evangelist. Go find my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. Give me my hand of praise. He's alive. He's alive. Jesus, the grave couldn't hold you. Death could not keep you, Lord. And this morning, we come to celebrate and to worship you. We come, God, to listen to your word for us on this Easter Sunday morning. And I pray especially for those, Lord, whose hopes may have been dashed, to, whose, Lord, are to the point of almost giving up. And I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would touch them and draw them close to yourself and minister to them. Love them, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And everybody agreed together and said, amen and amen and amen. Turn around and greet somebody. I know you've already done it, but tell somebody else, happy Easter today. Happy Easter. I wish, if you were not here, I wish you could have been here for Good Friday service. Didn't God meet with us on Good Friday service? They're telling you, wow. These altars were packed out and we worshiped the Lord and ministered unto him and God just ministered unto us on Good Friday evening. But we're here today not because Jesus died. We're here because Jesus rose from the dead. And there was a man named Joseph of Arimathea. He was a rich man, the Bible tells us, and uh, Jesus had to borrow his tomb. And I'm sure that when they took the body of Jesus to be laid in that tomb, Joseph's rich friend said to him, Joseph, what are you doing? You spent a lot of money for that tomb. You spent a lot of money getting that tomb ready. And Joseph just kind of looked at him and said, it ain't no big thing. It's just a weekend thing. He's not going to use it very long. Because when you borrow something, you intend to give it back, don't you? He wasn't dying to stay in a tomb. He is alive this morning. And that's who we are here to worship today. Sometimes people ask me, they say, how can I have hope again? And I tell them the same thing every time. Hope is always found in Jesus Christ. And let's just kind of look at that for a moment. What is hope? Hope is not naivete. Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is not the way we use it sometimes in the English language that we, we wish it's going to come true, like when you wish upon a star or maybe when you go buy a lottery ticket and, you know, you're hoping out of the millions and millions of, and I hope you're not buying a lottery ticket, but millions and millions of chances that, uh, you know, you're hoping to win that big jackpot, but our hope is a confident assurance. I define it like this. Hope is confidence that God will do something good in my life today and also in my life to come. Hope is the confidence that God will do something good in my life today. I expect God to do something good in my life. It's not that I'm looking for pie in the sky. It's not that I'm looking, you know, for Cadillacs to rain out of heaven. It's just that I'm looking for the goodness of God in my life. I'm looking for a good marriage. I'm looking for a good family relationship. I'm looking for a good church family 
to worship with. I'm working, looking for good success. Success is not always good. How many of you know that? Success is not the purpose for your living because you can be successful and still not know your purpose. You can be successful and still be torn apart. But hope is the confidence that God is going to do something good in my life today as well as do something good in my life that when I die, my body will not lay just rotting in the ground. I will be in the presence of the Lord. And one day at the end of time, the last trumpet is going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise first and we which are alive are going to meet them in the air. Can we give him another hand of praise this morning? That's what the scripture says. Hope is what we have to have. It's what we, it's like oxygen to our bodies. When you have no hope, then you die. I recently read an article by a psychiatrist and he was alarmed at the rising number of suicides. He was alarmed at the rising number of people who were somewhat successful, maybe had plenty of means and plenty of insurance. But in interviews with his patients and with those that were committing suicide, what he discovered was that when people lose hope, they give up on life. When people lose hope, they're willing to take their life. I'm telling you, hope is to your emotional and psychological well-being what oxygen is to your body. You cannot live without hope. And Jesus is the hope of all the ages. And so this morning, I come to share with you the good news, the Jesus we serve. He's alive. He's real. He's here. He's present. He knows your name. And God indeed has a wonderful plan for all of our our lives. Can we praise him again this morning? Hallelujah. But there are people like Mary, sometimes they encounter things that cause them to lose hope. And Mary didn't come to that tomb hoping for a resurrection. Even the disciples were not hoping for a resurrection. Though Jesus had taught them about it and Jesus had told them it was going to happen, they were hiding away for fear. And, and Mary, she came with a bag of spices to embalm and to anoint the body. And so with no optimism and with no hope, she's standing there weeping until she hears the good news that Jesus is alive when he calls her name. There's a couple of lessons I want to take from that and I want to share with you. Number one, don't rush to share the good news. Sometimes you just need to know why people are hurting. Sometimes you just need to know why people are broken. Sometimes you need to know what troubles them. And I'm amazed at how many times Christians rush in to share the good news. When somebody is hurting, they don't need happy talk. They need somebody just to listen to them. And so two times Mary was asked the question, why are you crying? I sat beside a man in the airport on my return flight and he was, he was angry. He was upset. We're sitting right next to each other. His team had failed him. He was calling each member of his team. He was giving them the riot act. He was chewing them out. And you could hear them on the other end of the phone. They were shivering because this was their boss chewing them out, demanding that they meet him in Baltimore on Monday morning. And they were to catch flights from across the nation. And I just looked at him and said, bad day. And he just shook his head. And he was so furious. And when he finished his last call, he turned and I guess to try to explain things to me. And then suddenly, Suddenly his phone rang and it was the client that his team had let down and suddenly I see his face turn pale. It went from being blood red because he was angry to being scared now because the client was chewing him out because the team had fallen down on him. And he turned and you could tell he wanted somebody to talk to and then they call and say we've got to board our flights and we, unfortunately we're not sitting beside each other but who I am sitting beside is a woman with a mask and a woman with an oxygen tank and I just 
just whispered a prayer, Jesus, please don't let her have some contagious disease. I've got to preach Sunday morning. And I sat down beside her and she tried to talk. I couldn't understand her. The flight attendant tried to talk to her. She couldn't understand her because of her mask. And in a few minutes, she looked at me. Then she looked back at me and then she goes, can I talk to you? And I go, of course, but put your mask back on, you know. And she goes, oh, I'm not contagious. And I said, is it that obvious? She goes, yeah, I saw it in your eyes. And, and she began to tell me all about her life, the various cancers that she had, the various diseases she had, the divorces she had, the brokenness she had. And I'm telling you, I listened to this woman for over 45 minutes and she just shared with me the story of her life. Sometimes you don't need to break in on people and say, you don't have any problems, you just need faith in God. You don't need to break in and tell them the good news you need to do what Jesus did. Just talk to me and tell me and people will tell you their story and once they've told you their story, then they're ready to hear the good news that Jesus knows my name, Jesus knows my problems and Jesus has an answer for it all this morning. Can somebody say praise God today? He's got an answer. I love the fact that Jesus listened. I love the fact that Mary recognized his name. But I also love the fact that the Bible is so real with the Easter story that we struggle, that even those of us that love Jesus struggle sometimes. Mary loved the Lord. You can't ever forget that. Mary loved the Lord. She went to the cross while Jesus suffered. She went to the tomb, not the disciples. She loved the Lord, but she struggled. And some of you may be struggling this morning. You may be struggling with a doctor's diagnosis. You may be struggling with some problems in your life. You may be struggling with some secret things in your life. But I have good news for you this morning. You can experience the resurrected Christ who will break every chain, remove every burden and give you a new purpose and a new power for living today in Christ's name. You don't have to build your life on speculation, guessing and hoping that something's going to happen. You don't have to build your life on imagination, trying to imagine a better life that never will happen. You don't have to build your life on introspection, hoping you're going to find the answer within. Because if you look within, you're going to find what every human being finds, that sin has broken our lives and made a mess of us. But Jesus saw us in our sins, and he came and he died for us at Calvary and to cleanse us from our sins sins and to give us a new life. And when he rose again on the third day, he proved he had the power to do that. You are not serving a dead God. You're serving the living Lord Jesus Christ today. Hallelujah. You're serving a Lord that is alive. Jesus is wise enough. He is strong enough. He is good enough. He is powerful enough. He is able enough to pull you through any problem, any struggle, any fear, any torment, any controlling problem in your life. Jesus Christ is more than enough. And that's the good news of Easter today that I want to bring to you. Paul takes us in, and he helps us to understand this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I passed on to you what was most important. Circle that in your outline. What was most important? I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. Say that with me. Christ died for our sins. One more time, please. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture says. Why did Christ have to die for our sins? Because the only way that you and I could be born again, the only way that you and I could have our sins forgiven was for someone to atone. 
He paid a debt he didn't know. Jesus Christ had never sinned. He paid a debt that he never had to pay. He paid it because he loved. He willingly came. The Bible says he joyfully went to the cross. It took the pure innocent blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from all of our sins. Most people, most people become a king when their daddy dies. In history, when you read about somebody becoming a king or a queen, their father died. One day, the queen of Great Britain will die and the next in line will succeed. Jesus was born a king. Nobody's ever born a king. Jesus was born a king because God, his father in heaven, God, his father did not die. God just simply took upon human flesh to show us what he was really like and he walked among us he loved us in our sins he touched us in our sins he healed us of our diseases he restored our broken relationships he fed us when we was hungry he nurtured us he loved us he touched the untouchable Christ the king came and lived among us and then died for our sins at Calvary and we don't put a dead Jesus on that cross because he's not there there is no grave with the name of God upon Jesus Christ is alive today. He kicked the end out of that tomb and sanctified that place with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the conviction that we must come back to as a church. Jesus Christ's resurrection gives me a confident hope in the future, a confident hope that is joyous, a confident hope that is victorious, a confident hope that helps me to live with some competence in my life and what I do because Jesus is living. How? The Bible says, look at this. Again, 15, chapter 15, he was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scripture said, he was seen by Peter. In other words, the apostle Peter saw him. Then he was seen by the 12, and after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. I want you to circle that word seen. Nobody dies for a liar. Nobody lays down their life for someone that is telling a lie. Those early Christians went to the lions. Those early Christians were burned at the stake. Those early Christians were stoned to death. Those early Christians had seen the resurrected Christ. They had felt the resurrected Christ. They had ate with the resurrected Christ. Jesus had come in and eaten with some of them. He said, do you have any fish? And they fed him fish. He made a fire and he cooked a picnic for them on the beach, the Bible tells us. When Peter saw him from the boat, I want you to know those were people that you could have called, you could have contacted, and if they could have persuaded them to lie and say that Jesus had not risen, they could have bought them off, they could have paid them off, but these 500 plus people, they gave their lives so that you and I would know we do not serve a dead Christ, we serve the living Son of God, the King of all kings, the Prince of all princes, and he's coming again one day soon in very soon. Hallelujah. I was talking with someone, a very educated person, and he said to me, he said, well, you know, that's easy for you to believe because you don't have the degrees that I have. You've studied theology and you've studied philosophy, 
But here's what I've studied, and he says, a scientific worldview says that you just don't raise the dead. And I looked at him and I said, what cheap paper mill did you get your degree from? Because there's some abysmal lack of ignorance that you share with some other people today who believe that science has all the answers. The ancient Greeks and the ancient Romans, they believed these bodies were bad. The ancient Greeks and the ancient Romans believed these bodies were weak. Their belief was that the best thing that could happen to you was for you to die so that your spirit could be set free and you could flow into the great cosmos of whatever is out there and become who you really are. But they were scared to death of it. Epicurus says we fear death because we are not confident of what lies on the other side. Hamlet says I fear death because I'm not confident of what lies on the other side. Paul says I don't fear death because to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord and it's a far, far better thing. Friends, we are confident because we know what lies on the other side of the grave. <laughs> Hallelujah. We know what lies on the other side of the grave. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, at the same time, look at this, think carefully. Say that with me. Think carefully. Say it again. Think carefully. Now look at your neighbor and say, think carefully. Stop letting everybody else do your thinking for you. Stop letting Google do your thinking for you. Stop letting the internet do your thinking. Stop letting some atheistic professor do your thinking for you. Go to the word of God and just simply bow before him and say, Lord, I need help. I need your help in understanding this. If you are real, make yourself real to me. Call my name the way you did Mary's. I promise you, there is a God in heaven. He knows you, he loves you, he cares about you, and he will make you a brand new man or woman in Jesus Christ. Think carefully, the Bible says. Secondly, this morning, and this is not a long message, but it's got a lot of subpoints. <laughs> Jesus Christ's resurrection shows me why my hope is secure. Number one, death is defeated. Death is defeated. I, I just got to read you a little more than I put into your outline this morning. I got to thinking about this and praying about this. This again, this is from 1 Corinthians 15. I'm at verse 54. You may want to read it later. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For the, sting of, for the sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sins its power. But thank God. Somebody say it with me. But thank God. One more time. But thank God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you listening, church? Are you listening, devil? Are you listening, world? But thanks be to God. He gives us victory over over sin and victory over death. When you die in Jesus, you are not dead. You are more alive today than you've ever been in your entire life before. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Or oh, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd fear death. If I wasn't a Christian, I'd fear an eternity without Christ. You may have tried to imagine that me and my buddies are going to party in hell and we're going to have a good time in hell. But when you're by yourself, you know that your imagination goes wild and it's not true. You may have looked inside and said, I think I found my own personal God and my own personal deity. But when you're alone at night and you're all by yourself and the drugs is gone, the relationships are gone, you realize what a mess you've made of your life. There 
is nothing in good that dwelleth in us until Jesus Christ comes and deals with our sins. I want to say to you, it's time to quit speculating on life. It's time to have the confidence that comes that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, he makes all things new in your life. Hallelujah. You see, the Bible says death is defeated. That word poison, the poison sting, the poison kills, it's kintron. You see, it's not death that kills you, it's the sting of death that kills you. Kintron, it's the poison and the bite. If you're a Christian, death's gonna bite you. It bit my friend and my mentor this week. It bit my dad. It bit my good friend Leo that I was at his funeral on Monday here. It bit them, but they're not dead. They're alive in the presence of Jesus. You see, death may bite you, but it cannot kill you. The second thing I want you to see this morning is death is consumed. When I eat something, I consume it. Our 40-day fast ended yesterday. Can somebody say praise God? I am looking forward to banana pudding without vanilla wafers and egg meringue topping. I am going to consume it. It's going to become a part of my life. It's going to become a part of my energy. It's going to become a part of what drives me and moves me forward. I can't wait. And when Jesus died, Jesus took death and he consumed it. And what once used to destroy people, it now sets us free and the power of God. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory this morning? When you get your resurrected life, you get a new body, you get a new family, you get a new hope, you get a new purpose, you get a new meaning. The worst things that I've experienced in life, when Christ comes into my life, he makes something beautiful and something good out of it. And the worst thing that happened to Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the agonies of the cross, And I want you to hear me this morning because God loves you and the Lord wants you to know those that are suffering and you're without hope this morning. God is saying to you, the worst things that had happened in your life, if you will trust me, I will make them become the best things that have happened in your life. Can we give him another hand of praise this morning? And then I'm going to be transformed. I love the fact that I'm getting older. I've heard so many times through my life and the illnesses I've suffered, I was gonna die at eight, I was gonna die at 12, I was gonna die at 14, 16, 21, 25, 30. Then one day they said, we're just gonna quit telling you because you just keep living. And the reason I keep living is because of Jesus. And today I am 62 and a half years old. I'm wearing glasses where I didn't used to have glasses. And when I read Ecclesiastes, I realize the time is coming, the Bible says, for the choppers aren't gonna work like they used to. I realize that the windows are going to become dim to the soul that's your eyes. The Bible talks about how that your legs become feeble, the pillars of your house become feeble. That time may come like it did for my daddy, like it did for Leo, like it did for Cecil this last week, but I'm telling you this this morning, that when I get my new body, it will not be limited to five senses. I'm telling you, my new life is going to bud in places I didn't even know that I had buds. You're going to 
to bud in places that you didn't know that you had bud. I believe there's going to be a thousand senses in heaven. We're going to see color like we've never seen it. We're going to hear music like we've never heard it. We're going to experience things that we've never experienced. You say, Pastor, how do you know? Because I have not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into the imagination the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Heaven is sounding sweeter all the time. And the older I get, the more it's on my mind this morning. You're going to be transformed and made into a brand new person. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. These physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what is going to last forever. God is going to wipe away everything that is wrong with this world. Let's give him another hand of praise this morning. And then finally today, the truest me will finally be revealed. And the truest you will finally be revealed. There are times when I have to look at my sweet wife and I go, honey, I'm sorry. You know that's not me. I, I didn't mean that. I am so sorry. I can say that because it's true. If I made a habit of that, she'd show me the door. <laughs> I've had to say to my kids, I am so sorry. That's just not me. I, I was tired. I've got things on my mind. I'm so sorry. Haven't you had to do that before? I can remember as a teenager getting mad at my dad one time. I said some things, not vulgar words, but just spoke disrespectfully to him. My dad, that if you'd ever spoke disrespectfully, he'd be across the room in the twinkling of an eye and you'd wake up the next week. But that day, he just looked at me and I saw the pain in his eyes, the hurt that I inflicted upon him. For two days, I carried that in my heart. I walked out to the barn. I laid my hand on my daddy's shoulder and said, Daddy, I'm so sorry. You know that's not me. Daddy turned around from the workbench. He laid down a plow sweep he was working on. And he put his hand on my face and he said, Son, there was something in there that you believed when you said that. And I'm so sorry for however I failed you. You see, you can't help it. One day babies are going to become teenagers. And one day teenagers are going to become university students. And one day a university student is going to become a businessman under such stress that he's going to say mean things and swear at his team. Then in the darkness of the night, he's going to realize, I didn't motivate him. I just scared him to death. Or one day, the doctor's going to diagnose you and you're going to sit on a plane and you're going to pour out your heart because your marriage has failed, your kids have rebelled, and cancer is eating your body up. 
and somebody listens and it just simply says, can I pray for you? There's a God that loves you and you can leave this plane different than what you came onto it today. You can leave this church different than what you came to this church today. You're not here by an accident. God ordained that you be here. You know, last night there were people kneeling in this church, weeping and praying just for you. Well, they don't know who you are. I didn't know who you are. Some of you I did. They were praying for you that you would know the hope. You were eating dinner. You were watching Michigan and praying against the praying nun. I know what you was doing. (laughs) But there was somebody here praying for you last night. They were interceding in you. Because the time's going to come for every one of us. It's a little lengthy, but I just want you to follow along with me. It'll be on the screen. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. What you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat of what you're planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. When Billy Graham's children were talking about him at his funeral, they said for the last year, Daddy hardly spoke. He just kind of looked off into the distance. They described how he had a picture of Ruth at the end of his bed, and so often his eyes were gazing at Ruth. That young, strong, vibrant man that shook the world for Christ that body was planted like a seed but one day that soul of Billy Graham that is present with the Lord will rise again to be what God always intended it to be you see pastor how do you know because I believe God in the same way verse 42 with the resurrection of the dead our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die we're bitten but they will be raised to live forever the sting of sin is gone the victory of the grave is gone and our bodies are buried in brokenness but they will be raised in glory they are buried in weakness but they will be raised in strength they are buried as natural human bodies but they will be raised as spiritual bodies For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. And for numbers of you in this room that I preach funerals for your family, I've reminded you at the cemetery, look around the cemetery. It's a spiritual discipline for me. I say one day, every grave that holds the body of someone that died in Christ, one day that grave is going to split wide open. And the body of that loved one is going to rise to meet the Lord. And there shall we be with the Lord forevermore. The grave has lost its victory. 
And today is a good day not to go to the cemetery to mourn, but today is a good day to go to the cemetery and to know that your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your neighbor, your friend, your nephew, your pastor, to know that they are with Jesus, but the day is coming when the dead bodies are going to rise, transform brand new bodies. You say, why? How? Well, let's continue in 1 Corinthians 15. For Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man. Adam and Eve in that garden, when God said, I give you everything, everything in this garden is yours, everything. Perfect environment, perfect life. But this one thing don't do, don't eat from this tree. And when the serpent, when the devil whispered in their ear, I think God stood there. God who knows everything. I think the angels must have said, let's go stop him, let us stop her. And Jesus says, no, let's see what she's going to do. And this God, listen to me, don't you miss this. Don't you miss this? This God who is so good and gave everything that you and I needed for life, will you choose to love me the way I chose to love you? And Eve took and disobeyed because she loved herself more. Maybe Adam, maybe Adam will step up. Maybe Adam will step up and be the man of God. And Adam takes and just as eagerly devours. And the angels hang their head and wonder. And God's eyes fill with tears. It's not that hard for you and I to understand that story. Because you and I have to make those choices every day. Will we choose to love God? Will we choose to serve God? Or we, will we choose to believe the lie? that life is better without God. Because life without God leads not to just eternal destruction, but the destruction of marriages, businesses, nations, and homes is everybody does what they want for themselves rather than to love God and to love their neighbor. Does that make sense? And that's what Jesus died at Calvary to undo. And that's what his resurrection has done. But don't, don't give up. Because God can give you a resurrection in your life today. Your marriage may need a resurrection. Your energy may need a resurrection. You may be so tired, you just don't. You really didn't feel like coming to church today. Your hope may need a resurrection. God is here not only to save and forgive us of sins, but God is here to give us a living hope to glorify Him. Can we give Him a hand of praise this morning for that? I want you to stand with me and... You may be thinking this morning, I'd really, Pastor Clinton, I'd really like to give my heart to Christ, but 
You know, I did that years ago and I tried to be, I tried to be a good man or a good woman. Listen, Jesus is not into religion. Jesus wants a relationship with you. Jesus wants you to know him. He knows you. And he's asking you to surrender your life to him. And then you just trust him. I miss those days when my kids were little. We would hike on mountain trails and I would hold their hands. I can feel them tugging, wanting to get away sometime and I'd hold their hands so they wouldn't go over a cliff. I can see Christopher one time deciding to go over the ball fence and run off the ball field and I had to take off and I chased him down and over he went and I went after him and grabbed him and then he just started laughing because he knew I'd run him down and catch him. But I was so afraid he'd get to that parking lot before I could get to him. He was blind to the danger that was there. I want you to know God will hold you. God will keep you. God's a good shepherd. If you get scattered, he'll leave the 99 and he'll go and find you. You can trust him today. So I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud, but pray it quietly. Say, dear Lord, I know it wasn't an accident that I came to this church today. I believe you wanted me to be here to know that there's hope. I believe you wanted me to be here to know that my life can be changed. I believe that you wanted me to know that you died to forgive my sins. And I don't understand it all, Lord. But I want a relationship with you. I put my hand in yours. And I ask you to be the master and the Lord and the ruler of my life. And I humbly ask you to accept me just as I am. Forgive my sins and make me a part of your family so I can call you Father. And I ask this in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer while nobody's looking around but just myself, would you let me be the first person you know? Let know who's prayed this. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Are there others you'd say, yes, I'm committing my life to Christ? Yes, ma'am. God bless you. How about you? Don't be ashamed. Nobody's looking, but just let's... Just share with me. You've given your heart to Jesus. Yes, sir. You can put it down. Now, Father in heaven, I ask you in Christ's name, would you, who raised Christ from the dead, shower this congregation with your presence you are big enough. You are powerful enough.
You were good enough. You were kind enough. You came and did all of this so that we might be saved. Lord, you came and did all of this because there's not a one of us that you don't know and care about. And so I pray you would visit our heart and give us the hope that we can be more than overcomers through Christ Jesus who loved us. And all God's people said, amen and amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of thanksgiving for those, for those that have given their hearts to Jesus Christ today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated this morning and on your way out, our ushers have a gift for everyone. Just one for family, please. But this is a great little book by Lee Strobel on the case for Easter. Small group leaders, there's also questions in here that you can use with your small group. But it's a short little book and I want you to read it. I want you to be able to give a defense for why we believe what we believe. The medical evidence was Jesus' death a sham, his resurrection a hoax. The evidence of the missing body was Jesus' body really absent from his tomb. And then the evidence of his appearance was Jesus seen alive after his death on the cross. For those of you who don't know Lee Strobel, Lee Strobel was a nationally syndicated off columnist for the Chicago Times and Tribune. He was an atheist. There's a movie called The Case for Christ. I strongly recommend that you rent that and watch that. But Lee's wife became a Christian and he, by his own admission, he says, I am so ashamed of the things the movie shows of how he tried to wreck her faith. But her faith in Christ set him on a journey to where he became a passionate follower of Christ. So we want you to have a copy of this book. You can read it in just an afternoon. Those of you that are guests today, ushers, you can come on forward. Those of you that are guests, this is your first time or second time, would you stop by on the left as you leave the sanctuary? We'd love to, our pastors would love to meet you. We have a gift for you there. We'd love to share with you and just say thanks for being a part of Woodland. Now, it's our custom, if you're our guest, or if you've never been to a church before, we worship the Lord by bringing what's called our tithes and our offerings to Him. Churches across the country do that. But you're our guest. We don't want you to feel like you're obligated to give in any way. But for those of us that were a part of the family of faith, there's no greater joy than for us to give to God the tithe that He's blessed us with. There's no greater joy for us to give and to share with those who are in need and to share with those who've not yet heard the gospel in other parts of the world. So will you just worship the Lord with us as we worship the Lord in our giving? Would you stand with me one more time and let's pray before we receive our tithes and our offerings. Our Father in heaven, you have blessed us. You have taken care of us. Lord, most of us in this room, we even have a tiny little house we park our cars in. Lord, we pull our cars in when so many people don't even have a place to sleep or food to eat. And yet we got up and went into our cars little house this morning. And the reason we had that is because you gave us the strength and you gave us the power to gain wealth. And when you prosper us, Lord, you say that you make us rich and you add no sorrow to it. And so, Lord, what joy it is to bring to you our tithes and our offerings today. May you receive it like a sweet-smelling, fragrant sacrifice. For it's in Christ's name I pray. And everybody that loved to give said, Amen and amen. God bless you as you give this morning.